that is under the sound of my voice. Father, we pray for articulation of your heart. We pray, Lord, that indeed that you would have your way in this service. And we give you thanks and give you praise in advance. We pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation and in manifestation on this evening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone does say amen. Amen. All right. Let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. Everyone say good evening. Good evening, y'all. Amen. All right, let me start here because I want to emphasize the month of April is First John month. Amen. We were ready. Uh, John and I received a phone call uh, this afternoon from from our brother, <laughs> and he asked me what book are we reading, and I said First John. He said, "Didn't we just do that?" And I said, "No, we 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 read John, so we're reading First John. First John is First John, Second John is Third John, but we're reading First John." For the month of April, there's only five chapters, and yet there's 30 days. So what that means is you should have a thorough working knowledge by the conclusion of the month of April. That doesn't mean I read it all quick, and I'm like, got that over with. No. <laughs> we want to kind of meditate on some of the truths and the truths that are in the book of uh, uh, first John. Uh, case in point, look over in uh, First John, uh, the Amplified Version of the Bible. That's one of the reasons why I also emphasize reading, uh, you know, the King James is fine, but also read, you know, some translations, some different translations. And First uh, John, uh, verse chapter 4, verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect love or perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So there, so he says, so the one who is afraid of God's judgment is, is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. In other words, John chapter 4, really 1 John begins to methodically talk about the difference between people, children of the light versus children of the darkness, understanding who we are in Christ Jesus. The one that's born again, fear of death is removed because we know what happens when you die. But for the one that's not born again, the fear of death is very, very real. But when the scripture talks about in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, uh, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of the grave has been taken away the day you got born again because we understand to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In other words, there is no fear in this transition. But when you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is a fear because you're not sure what the end looks like. 
Where are you going to go? Well, the Bible says that, yeah, if to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, for those that are in Christ Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with your Lord if you're not born again, which is not God. And so, therefore, it does carry a level of dread. It does carry a level of fear with it. And one of the things that John methodically does, and he goes on to say, we love him because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates or works against his Christian brother, and he talks about the Christian brotherhood, he says the love of God is not in him. But he's indicating to us the transition from death to light, from darkness to life. And, and that's one of the reasons why we are reading the book of 1 John. All right? Now, having said that, let's get back into tonight's topic and think about it about what it is we are to um, to study for the month of April, given the fact that it's Palm Sunday coming up, it's Easter coming up. And I was praying, saying, Lord, do you want us to shift over to more of an Easter centralized message? The word I received essentially was, stick with what I told you. <laughs> and um, what he told me is stick with faith refreshers. Because I believe for those that are connected to this church, those that are uh, members and partners of this church, we're going to need to have this refreshing in this area of faith because where God wants to take you, your family, and your business, your organization, it's all going to require that you walk by faith. And I looked up the basic word refresher, and I think it was really good. Just a basic definition of the word refresher is an activity that revises or updates one skill or knowledge. And that's what we're doing in this series. We are having faith refreshers that revise maybe the way you thought about faith. Maybe it's the first time you've heard me minister on faith. And it's gonna, we're going to take a look at it. Maybe we have an update of your perspective in regards to walking and living by faith. Maybe you've heard this before, and this is a watering, if you will. As I've indicated to you before, this time of the year, as you know, we're, we planted some things, and we often say it's April, so April showers bring May flowers. Well, what happens in April with the water is that we are watering things that have been planted, seeds that have been planted, so that we can expect an abundant harvest. And so perhaps that might be where you are in your walk of faith, that an opportunity to be watered. I know as I've been teaching some of these things, I, I've, been, I've been refreshed on just the lifestyle that God's committed or called us to to live and walk by faith. And of course, to say update one skill or knowledge. All right, Hebrews 11 and verse number one. Are you ready? We've defined faith once again as it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, being the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now faith is the evidence of things not seen. And we've said essentially, if we look at this, this gives us a basic definition of what Bible faith is. This gives us a basic definition of what Bible faith is. That Bible faith is, first and foremost, it is always in the now. Faith is always in the now. If it's past tense, it is not Bible faith. And then we said it's substance. Substance of things hoped for, which is the aspiration of the good. 
but you just can't have the aspiration of good and that's all you got. I hope God does good for me. I hope God wants to bless my business. I hope God wants to bless my organization. The next area that is the composite of, or the composition of faith, is this area of substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, which means I have to have substantiation. Now, how this looks is it can either be a word that is a rhema word, or that Greek word rhema, which literally means the spoken word of God, or it can be a logos. So, when God directs you to do something, and he gives, put something in your spirit that I want you to do this, it's a rhema word. I receive the word directly from God. But the logos is the literal or the written word. So we find the promises of God can be evidence, and a rhema word from God where God speaks something to you also can be evidence. Now we understand that the rhema word or the spoken word that you receive is always subject to the literal word of God. In other words, God is never going to say anything that's in contradiction to what is written. So I don't care what you thought you heard, the strange dream you had. If it's in contradiction to the written word of God, you didn't hear from God. And that's the reason why we spend a lot of time talking about the voice of God. That God's voice is always the voice of Pray, I pray we can get this tonight. The voice of, yes. You say what now? Peace. Peace, yes. Lord, hammer. Give me another one. Life. Mm. Truth, yes. There we go. Lord, hammer. And so. Here at the training center, we have periodic tests. Because I'd rather test you here before we go out and get tested in life. So, we said again that when God speaks to us, the qualifier is that he is the voice of truth, love, faith, life, and peace. And we looked at the corresponding scriptures in regards to that. Yes. Yeah, I tried to make an acronym out of it, and I didn't. I was unsuccessful. I can make an acronym if I the words around, but otherwise it didn't work out. If somebody got one, will let me know. Exactly. It's, I, I tried. I tried. It didn't work out. So the concept again that I'm trying to get you to understand is that when God speaks to you, and He gives you a rhema word, always going to be in correspondence with written word. You can take the written word and look at what he told you and there should be a correspondence because God is not in conflict. Okay? He's never going to tell you something that is different from the written word. Who will tell you something that's different from the written word, of course, is the devil. And there is a lot of people today going around talking about the Lord said. Well, the Lord is never going to have as his voice, a voice that leads you into an area of sin. Okay? That's one of the qualifiers. Eh, I'll say that. Uh, one of the issues that's going on, particularly today, where we have church abuse, is that there's a lot of God said this, and you should do this because God said that, right? 
the way I can discern that's God or not is does it contradict the scripture? I don't care how spooky Reverend whatever is. Looks so oily and you know, he's so cool and so fresh and oh he has the right sneakers on or he's wearing a good suit or etc. If they're saying something that is contradictory to what the scriptures say, then they are not speaking for God. That prophet is not of God. Okay? And that's something we have to make sure that we have in his proper seat in our life. Because in these last days, there are going to be so many voices saying, I have come in the name of the Lord. And one of the reasons why I'm emphasizing scripture reading at this church is because that is how you tune your spirit to discern the difference between the voice of God and the voice of error. And there's going to be more and more of that rising even within the church. I've gotten in trouble at times that when I've been at certain churches and, and I knew that this man was, was off. And I, I, I have a problem hiding stuff from my face. And you know, I've gotten better over the years trying to just maybe not smile, but just, just endure. But when there's an aggregation of the scriptures or, or, or I am leaning away from the scriptures, we're starting to have a problem. And we're moving into, believe me and not thee, not the word of God. That's a problem, okay? And so that's the reason why we spend so much time talking about when God speaks, how he speaks. Going back to this area of faith, when God does speak to you, because we expect God to speak to you. We expect him to speak to us because we are his children, we are his sheep. And he, we expect him to lead us. When he does lead us, that becomes your evidence, okay? He usually will hook it up with the word, i.e., when God said to us, start a church here in Gastonia, I can't look in Hebrews chapter 8 and see, go ye therefore start a church in Gastonia, right? But what I can find is, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. And what I can find is to be submitted to your pastors and your spiritual leaders for they watch for your soul. So one of the things we did as well is I went to people, to the person that covers us in our ministry, and we had the, uh, the council, a wise council, concerning whether or not this is God leading us in this direction. And this is some of the checkpoints that God gives us in regards to our life. Everybody is assigned a pastor. Let me just say that up front. Every believer is assigned a pastor. The question is not whether or not I'm assigned one. The question is whether or not I'm in the place where my pastor is. Assigned is one thing. Showing up, being a part of the ministry God has set me under is something completely different. Does that make sense? It's part of God's checks for us so that we don't get into areas of a ditch. Now, all of that is not in the notes that was free of charge. Let's keep going. All right. We said again... Uh, so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We've also looked at James chapter two, 1 and verse 22, where he says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, deceiving your own selves. So he indicates to us that there's another component. So we've said essentially that faith's components are hope, evidence, and actions. Hope, evidence, and actions. If I do not have all three components, I am not operating in Bible faith. So yes, you hope God blesses you. Yes, you found a scripture or you had a word from God that connects with the written word of God that you're supposed to do this. But you don't do anything. 
And one of the reasons why I said before that people don't do things is because they think that God's going to give them the entirety of the picture on day one. And that's not how this works. God always just gives you enough to take the step that he's directing you to. So yes, you see vision, the great thing that he showed you, but he's showing you only the step that you can take right now. And you're stepping into that place is the corresponding actions that you have in regards to the hope that you have and the evidence that you have. That is what makes the complete picture of Bible faith. We understand that? Say amen. All right, now. Faith's origins, we looked at this again out of Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Faith's origins are, the Bible says in verse 17 out of Romans, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everything that you do in life should have an origination from God. You should be able to trace what you are doing back to a word from God. This is also one of the ways that you are able to stay safe. Because I can trace back to God leading me in this direction. It might not be that God said, go do this, but I, I prayed about this particular area. I've received counsel concerning this particular area. I've received the peace of God on the inside concerning this particular area. And I made the step. When I made the step, because I really feel like this is where God has led me, because I'm not teaching right now how to discern the will of God per se, but, but that is an aspect of it. Um, when I make this step to receive or do what God assigned me to do, now God can assist me. Now God can lead me. Now God can give me wisdom because I'm doing this because God's directing me and I'm not directing myself. The picture that we have in regards to this is Moses, that every time Moses gets to an issue with people, he falls on his face and says, Lord, you don't want to send me out here. That's the only reason why I'm here fooling with these people is because you put me here. So you got to deal with it. And God doesn't have a problem in the world with dealing with folks when you are in your assigned place. That's the reason why he says stay in the secret place of the Most High. Because when he assigns you, he protects you. When he assigns you, he provides for you. When he assigns you every area, he says I'm responsible for the completion of that assignment because I'm the originator of the assignment. Look over here, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. This is God initiating an assignment to this man and Abram. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord said unto Abram. The Lord said. He's the originator. That's all I want right here because we can get on talking about this even further. But the Lord said, can I place it back to a word from God? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every word that God speaks has intrinsically on the inside of it faith. The question is not whether or not faith is attached to it. The question is whether or not you attach belief in what he said. Every word of God is full of power. Every word of God is full of faith. The Bible says, now the Lord said to Abram, get thee from thy country, get thee from thy kindred, from thy father's house to the place I will show you. Faith shows up. Faith come by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So every time I hear the word of God, faith comes. Now let me say this as well. One of the most overlooked areas or the voice of faith in your life is your own voice just reading the word of God. When you read the word of God, faith cometh because faith is inside of his word. And you really trust your word or your voice more than you trust anybody else's voice. 
What you say to yourself, what you speak over yourself, you trust that your spirit trusts that voice more than your pastor, more than any minister, more than anybody else. You trust that voice that you have. So when you take the word of God and you read the word of God out loud, your spirit is grabbing hold of the word and faith cometh. That's part of the reason why we talk about in terms of uh, this confessions for life. I'm getting there. I haven't gotten there fully. This confessions for life uh, that we have in the back. The more you confess the word of God, your spirit hears that faith cometh. Faith cometh. And what I saw this, this afternoon was, it's like charging a battery. A lot of people want to have power in their speaking, but it's not deposited in their heart yet. The reason why it's not deposited in their heart is because they're not speaking enough for the battery of your heart to be charged. The more you speak the word of God, the more your heart begins to charge and charge and charge and charge. To when you speak to issues or a mountain situation in your life, you're speaking out of the abundance of your heart and the power flows from the overflow that's already deposited in your heart. Does that make sense? And so that's the reason why we confess the word. I heard, I was talking to my sister and she was talking about the favor of God. We have on the back here, supernatural, I walk in the favor of God, which produces supernatural increase in promotion. I walk in the favor of God, which produces honor in the midst of my adversary. I walk in the favor of God, which produces great victories in the midst of great impossibilities. We say it, we say it. And as we say it, we're doing two things. We're speaking faith on the inside of us and we're speaking faith in the atmosphere sphere calling things that be not as though they were all right amen let's keep going second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 everyone knows what that says. it says for we walk by faith and not by sight we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, what does that essentially mean? It means faith means we are leaving the dictates of our senses to believe the truth. Well, what does that mean? When we are walking by faith, that means we are going to be walking in this major component of faith, which is the life of a contradiction. If I walk by faith and not by sight, that means I'm not walking by my senses. What I can see, feel, touch, taste, all of my senses, I'm walking based on what God said. Case in point, the story of Noah is one of my favorite stories because Noah is the picture of faith. He hears a word from God one day. Go create this massive uh, building, this massive ark, if you will. The Bible doesn't say that Noah's wife heard. The Bible doesn't say his children heard. The Bible just said Noah heard. So you can imagine this conversation when he comes home and says, babe, the Lord talked to me and we're supposed to build an ark because there's going to be this massive flood. Her first thing she might have said was, well, what is a flood? Because it hadn't been, what is rain? We haven't seen that. So you're asking us to build something that we've never seen for an environment that we still haven't seen and, know, and never heard of before. And yet, Noah rallies his family, not for one year, but the scriptures indicate to us for almost 120 years to build something for an environment that does not exist. And yet, when we say we walk in by faith, 
and we do it for a day, we say, Lord, don't you see what I'm doing? Or we go for a week, God. Or five years, six years. Lord, don't you see what I've done for you? Aren't you impressed, Jesus? He said, when you get your Bible out, I'll show you what impresses me. Noah did this with his family. One of the reasons why Noah's interesting is because the Bible says he walked with God. He had to have such a walk with God that his children and his wife, his family, were willing to follow him. And this is one of the things I, I, I always try to teach young men. Have a lifestyle of faith that your children, that your wife, look at you and say, yeah, we'll follow you. As a mother, as a single person even, with the people that you're influencing, you should have such an authentic relationship with God that people around you recognize it, and when they say, go this way, yeah, we can go that way because we know that she hears from the Lord. I, I know she hears from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I know she hears from God. Because what God calls you to, when he calls you to walk by faith, he calls you to walk by natural contradiction. He says, do this, but it looks like that. He says, believe this, but it doesn't look like that. He calls us to a life of natural contradiction. I want you to do this and believe me. Well, intrinsically we have a problem then if you don't understand that faith within our life should be characterized by certain things, which are, as we indicated to you before, within our life, the traits of faith for our life should be that faith is first a relationship. The Bible says, no, walk with God. And to the degree that you walk with God, and that includes walking in his word, it's the degree that you're going to really trust him. So that, yes, Noah shows up day after day after day for 120 years with his family, building something, and he hasn't physically seen anything. On so many levels, more so at this juncture in my life. Because this time last year, when we were painting, we're building something. They ain't seen nothing yet. This month of April last year, we just had enough money to make it to the next month. And we believe in God. I remember at one point in time, my wife and I, we found chairs. We went down and bought the chairs, having nowhere to put the chairs. But we went and we bought the chairs. When I said to my wife, babe, I found some chairs. I found a good deal on some cushion chairs because I don't like hard seats. So I wouldn't want to ask somebody else to sit in hard seats. So let's go buy some chairs. I thank God that my wife didn't say, boy, you're crazy. Where are we going to put these chairs? I, 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 that wouldn't have been good for me. <laughs> Let me take a side journey here. That's part of the reason why you should make sure you marry right. Yeah. You know, no, 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 don't marry somebody that can't walk in faith with you because that's going to be a major problem as you walk in life. That's what he talks about when he says you shouldn't be unequally yoked. Well, I walk by faith. You decide to walk by whatever you decide to walk by, by day by day. Well, we got a problem. I'm deciding to see God. You decide that you want to do whatever you want to do, whatever feels good to you. We got an issue. All right. How did I get out of there? Okay. Faith within our life should be characterized by first a relationship, the relationship that you have with God. The second trait that you should have in regards to your walk with God or walk of faith should be that it is a lifestyle. It is not a one-time event. No, again, it's the picture of somebody that has submitted their life to God and not as a one-time situation. 
It's a journey that God is taking you from one place spiritually to another place. Abraham is a picture of that, for instance, that God does not ask him to sacrifice his son until multiple years after he's walked with God. That faith, walking by faith, should be a mindset, which is a conviction of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion. One of the things that you will hear me say a lot is that we submit to you, God, as an act of our will. One of the things that God has given us is free agency, the ability to choose to follow him or not, the ability to submit to his process or not. Now, we understand when you don't submit to the process and the will of God, that's really just called disobedience. And I can dress it up, but that's really what it is. Good old-fashioned disobedience. A lot of disobedient Christians today. All right. And number five, the spiritual force of faith, which is in fact calling things that be not as though they were. But the fact of being able to call things that be not as though they were has everything to do with the condition and the position of your heart. Faith significance. I'm not saying all of these things for purpose of review. Faith significance is that faith is a command. Hebrews 11 and verse number six. Hebrews 11, verse number 6, the scripture says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. That seems to me that faith is important. If it's impossible to please God apart from faith, then having a conversation, having some messages concerning or emphasis on faith must be rather important because he didn't say without faith is impossible or without grace is impossible to please God. He doesn't say without the kingdom it's impossible to please God because grace is the atmosphere that we live in. The kingdom of God is the system of governance by which we are under. But inside the system of governments, in the atmosphere that we live in, we operate by this thing of the currency of the kingdom, which is faith. It's like we live in the United States, that's a governmental system. But if you go up the street and you say, hey, man, I want to buy this car. He's not going to say, are you a citizen? He's going to say, how much money do you have? And I submit to you, that's what it looks like with a lot of Christians. They want to say, well, I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom. Great, great. But you still got to walk by faith. Faith is what the exchange is, the currency of the kingdom of God, whereby I have enough faith to receive what God has made available for me. I have enough faith to receive the promise that he's made available for me. I have enough faith to make the exchange inside the kingdom of God, inside the atmosphere of grace. The only way you get it born again, it is by grace that you're saved, but he says through faith, because faith is the exchange point. Does that make sense? So he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith's significance within our life is that faith is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. It is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. And we said on Sunday that trusting God means I trust his heart for me. I trust his welfare of me and his methods towards me. I trust his heart for me his means or his welfare of me and my family, and I trust his methods towards me. And that is, that is the missing component in a lot of people's life, this area of trust of God, because we first don't trust God's heart. 
And that's part of the reason why we're reading through the book of 1 John, as I point back to 1 John. Because in 1 John, John, the scriptures define him as the disciple that the Lord loves. So a lot of his, his revelation has to do with the love of God and God's love towards us. And the more revelation we get concerning the love of God and his love towards us, the more we begin to trust his heart for us. When I trust his heart for me, I can trust his welfare of me and I can trust his methods towards me. Now, for the sake of time, let's move on. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 and verse number three. Raymond, do you have Matthew chapter 14? Very good. We're going to get there in just a half second here. Romans chapter 12 and verse three says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as accordingly as God has dealt to every man, notice the term, the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Contextually, he says that we submit our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. The second verse talks about the renewal of the mind, which is something that you do for yourself because you are proving to yourself that you that 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 fallen God is worth it. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing pretty hard there. And verse number three, he says, don't think more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. And then he laterally says, every person has been dealt, every person in the kingdom, every person that's born again has been dealt the measure of faith. So in other words, what he's saying is everyone comes into the kingdom with the measure of faith, with the same measure of faith. Everybody, there are no spiritual defects in the kingdom of God. What you do with your faith is up to you. Whether you develop your faith or whether you let it stay flabby, whether you cultivate it towards the goal and the position that God wants you to cultivate it in or do it, none, none with it at all, it's up to you. God's never going to force you to walk by faith, but he does indicate it's impossible to please him apart from it. The measure also indicates to us that faith can be added to and it also can be subtracted from. It can be added to and it can be subtracted from because the word measure literally means a degree, a quantity, an amount, and a condition. It's not a throwaway word when he says the measure of faith. It is a degree, it, which has to do with a level. A quantity has to do with a size. An amount has to do with how much you have. And a condition has to do with the quality of your faith the quality of your faith. What is the quality of my faith? Because if my faith can be added to, which means strengthened, it also can be subtracted from, which means that that measure of faith may not be in the same position it was two years ago, five years ago, two days ago. Because faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to the degree that the word of God is in my heart, it's the degree that I have faith for this particular area in my heart. If I'm not spending time in the word, I might have had faith two years ago strong in this particular area, but I've not been spending time with God in this particular area. So my faith in that area begins to linger. It, be, it does not stay the same. And that's something we need to understand. I used to be a faith person. I used to be able to just do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but you got away from the things of God. Spend more time watching TV or spend more time doing other things. Your faith level changed. Now, let's see here. How does your faith level change? 
How does your faith level change? It changes through two particular <laughs> areas. The area of doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. If the measure of faith in our lives does fluctuate, and we are controlling of that, not God, doubt and unbelief is how it begins to fluctuate. And for that, that's where we're going to look at this area in Matthew chapter 14. Let's see how far we get as the hour is growing late. Matthew 14. And we're going to look at verse 25 out of the King James Version of the Bible, because that's what I have in front of me at the second. Ready? Read. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to the water. All right, very good. Stop right there. Stop right there. Verse 27 says, but straightway, out of the King James, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, said, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So Jesus comes walking on the water. This is a situation they had never seen the Lord and Savior do before. Okay, so let's not act like, yeah, they saw him walking all the time. At this point, they had not. So they're on a boat in the night. Jesus comes walking on the water. They think, apparently they must have believed in ghosts during that time period, or they would not have said, we think it's a ghost. So they look and they say, oh, 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 what's that? And that's why Jesus speaks to the fear that they had on the inside of him. He says, uh, be not afraid. And then Peter, with the boldness that he has, because Peter is a bold disciple, he says, if it be thou, out of King James, bid me to come unto you on the water. So he says, Lord, if it's you, let me get out of the boat, walk over there to you. That's pretty bold. This is what we look like sometimes with the Lord. Lord, sign me up. I can do it, Jesus. I want to do it too. I want, to, I want to do what they're doing over there. Jesus, now, and, and this is how God you sometimes responds to it. Well, come on. <laughs> Keep going. Verse 29. Stop right there. Okay. Now, I want you to notice something though here, and that's the reason why I said it just like I said it a minute ago. We should be careful about poor, how can I say this, Lord? Putting God in a position for an activity that you're not prepared for. He said, Lord, if it be you, let me walk out on the water. Now, what is he supposed to do here? It's him. There is not really but one answer. And sometimes what we do is we say, God, if it's you, let this happen. No, God's will is for that to happen and not this. But since you put God in the corner, he has to allow that to happen with this. And we got to be careful about when we are placing ourselves in a position 
for stuff and we're authorizing things to come into our life where God did not authorize that or he didn't desire that. That's a better way of saying it for you. But you are, he has to allow that because you allowed it by the way you ask him. Does that make sense? All right, let me keep going. Verse 29, verse 30 says, Now get this now. He says, Lord, if it be you, let me get out of this boat and walk on the water. He climbs out of the boat and he begins to walk. He's walking on the impossible. He's walking by faith. But the scripture says, the King James says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. What in the world does the wind have to do with you walking on the water? What, what does it have to do with you walking on the water? You telling me that when it's calm, he can get out there and walk on the water? When it's peaceful, he can walk on the water? And it's possible that in our lives, once again, you're already walking in the impossible, and the devil will start saying to you, well, what about this? Look at where you currently are. You're already walking. But the scripture says, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, which means the moment he allowed the external circumstances or the contradiction to come into his heart, he began to move from his position of faith to move to a position of fear. And the scripture says, and beginning to sink. Now notice the term of the King James, beginning to sink. Now you ever begin to sink when you step into a swimming pool? Has that ever happened? You usually just go straight down. Faith has a measure. To the degree that he concentrated on what Jesus said, that singular word, which was full of faith, come, was to the degree that he was able to stay above the circumstance. The more attention that he gave to the externals, the more attention he gave to the things that had nothing to do with his walking ability, the more he began to seek. And so it will be in your life. The more attention that you give to the external things instead of the word of God, the more you will begin to sink. And he's saying, and they cry, and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31, ready, read. All right, let's stay right there. What is little faith? A few minutes ago, we said that faith, every man has been dealt the measure of faith, yes? Faith is a degree, a quantity, an amount, it is a condition. Jesus does not just say things willy-nilly. He says, oh, you of little faith. Little faith indicates a degree, a quantity, amount, or a condition. It is not just a throwaway line. He did have faith, but the amount of faith that he had was small. Which goes back to let us know that that's the reason why Jesus said that it only takes a mustard seed faith in order to speak to a mountain, right? Your faith can grow, your faith can be small. 
Apparently, water walking faith is still something we can operate in even with little faith. Thank God for that. Verse 32, as we finish out this particular story, it says, All right, very good. Little faith, therefore. The scripture, uh, the King James says, O thou little faith, a little faith. The, the translated phrase here literally means a lacking of confidence. O thou of a lacking of confidence. O thou of a meaning to be skeptical. I submit to you, little faith has to do with a mixture of doubt with your faith. So that you doubt because, once again, I'm looking at the circumstances. I took the step that you said, God, and you're walking. You're staying on that step. But the more attention you give to the other things, the other external things, the more you begin to move into an area of doubt, which means I'm a little unsure. Because we've indicated to you once again before that the, what does it mean to doubt? It means that I'm essentially unsure. I am hesitant. I am moving into a position in which I'm stepping, but I'm not. I'm stepping, but I'm observing everything else except having a singular purpose on to look at what Jesus said. There is enough power in that word that you receive from God to take you over. But the more attention that you give to the external things, the more you will begin to sink. This is something, again, that I'm, 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 I'm walking this out. Walking this out before you that that the more we pay attention to what God says in regards to this church The more we continue to walk on the impossible But if I start paying attention Lord look at what's going on here. I remember one Sunday I like Lord ain't nobody give Jesus what we gonna do Did you know we got these bills and everything and, and I started to think he said son Let me show you something. I went online. I looked at how folks gave online. They said I can take care of you whether there are people in the house. I can take care of you if people are not there. Don't count the people. So therefore, if you don't count the people, you won't be limited by the people that you count. I had to learn this. I heard another minister say that it's been a rhema word in my life ever since. Don't be moved by the number of people that you have. I'm able, if I called it, I'm able to make sure that it's provided for and make sure I'm able to keep it afloat. I'm able to keep you walking on the impossible. When it's a word from God, because every word from God is a word that is infused with faith. Does that make sense? Now, for the sake of time, let's look at one more story. One more story. So little faith or old the or thou little faith is lacking in confidence. It is meaning that I'm moving to a position of being skeptical because I am observing the external conditions. Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 5. Matthew chapter 8. So we see here little faith. Flip back. <laughs> Matthew chapter 8. We should be able to read this fairly rapidly. <laughs> Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 5. Out of the King James Version of the Bible. Ready? Read. Mm -hmm. That's okay. We laugh, but it's all right. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
Capernaum. That's all right. Let's get going. There came unto him a certain centurion. A centurion is essentially a high-ranking Roman official. Hmm? There came a centurion. The centurion. Once again, these are not throwaway lines. He says, I have not found so great faith. What is great? It is, yeah, thank you. Now, now we're getting somewhere. It is a large amount, which means it is, it has to have a connectivity back to a quality, a quantity, a degree, an amount, or a condition. We see a few minutes ago that Peter, he says, O thou of little faith. Why is his faith little? Because he's considering the other things, which means essentially he has a mixture of faith and doubt. The centurion said, Jesus, you ain't got to come to my house. I came over here just to hear you give the order. You give the order and he shall be healed. Jesus says, this man operates in great faith. Why does he operate in great faith? He's someone that all he needs is the word of God, and he'll believe it. Peter, on the other hand, again, had a mixture. This man didn't have a mixture. He said, speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Great faith, therefore, I submit to you, is defined as all you need is the word of God, and I believe it. A little faith is when you have a mixture of a little bit of faith, a little bit of doubt. A little bit of faith, a little bit of doubt. A little bit of faith and a little bit of doubt obviously can produce water walking uh, experiences in your life. I heard Brother Hagen say this, and I'll repeat it in closing, that it is possible for you to have doubt in your head and faith in your heart, and it still works. It is possible to have doubt in your head, faith in your heart, and it still works. But it is not possible. For you to have faith in your head, doubt in your heart, and it works. That is the problem. You cannot have faith, mental ascension in faith, 
but it's not on the inside of you and expect to see manifestation from God. Let's finish out right here in Mark 11 and verse 23. Mark 11 and verse 23. I'm going to read verse 22. It is possible to have doubt in your head. I don't know how we're going to do this. But on the inside of my heart, I trust you, God. I believe what you said. Take your word and still have manifestation. Notice this. Jesus answering and said unto them, have faith in God. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. The condition of your heart determines the condition of your faith. He says, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire when ye pray, believe. Believe with what? With your heart. That ye really receive them, and ye shall have them. The heart condition determines the faith condition. The heart condition and the purity and the location of your heart, it has everything to do with the condition of your faith. Whether or not your faith is great or whether your faith is small. Do I have a mixture of my faith? Whereas in my heart, I have faith in God and I do. But I got a little bit of doubt in my heart as well. Well, how do I get this doubt outside of my heart? I have to spend more focused attention or focused time on meditating on God's word so that it gets on the inside of my heart. And it's an amazing thing. The more you meditate on the word of God, the more you speak the word of God and it gets on the inside of your heart. Once again, it charges your spiritual battery so that one day when you begin speaking, you speak out of the abundance of your heart and things begin to move because it's on the inside of you. God does turn up the power in your life where the spiritual force of faith is concerned because it's out of the abundance of your heart. That's the reason why I cannot emphasize enough this area of faith you cannot play with. You can't fake the funk. It's either in you or it's not. You either believe it or you don't. Now, thank God, particularly when we're talking about healing in areas of that, that God has, has different areas where, you know, you can call for the elders of the church or you can have the prayer of agreement where somebody can link up with you in your faith. And God says that works as well. But what we're talking about over the last two Thursdays is that the condition of your heart determines the power that you walk in in regards to your faith. You determine whether or not you're walking in great faith or you're walking in little faith, not God. It's all about what's in you. What's in you comes out of you in the wash. What's in you is what comes out of you when you're in a tight spot. That's the reason why we talk in terms of meditating the word so that when the crunch, when the issues of life come out, your faith begins to rise and come out of your mouth and not the fear that tries to get on the inside from the outside. Does that make sense? All right, let's stop here. Father God, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we bless you and we praise you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word tonight. Lord, we just pray that as we meditate on your word and spend time in your word, 
that you would unlock the truths of your word to us. Lord, we thank you that as we spend the time with you, faith cometh, faith cometh. And we thank you, Lord, as you direct us in our studies, as you direct us in our, our times of devotion, we thank you that you're building us up for what's coming ahead. You're building us up to believe you and to just lay hold of things with our faith because you want to show that you are still a living and wonderful God. We thank you, Lord, that we decide to live a life of faith because we have a desire, God, to live a life that is a pleasing life unto you. And so, God, we will go through the process of developing our relationship, developing in trust where your word is concerned, so that we can become effective ambassadors for the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen. Praise the Lord. Wait, you get something out of tonight's Bible study? All right. I'm going to try to... Stay a little more practical tonight. Sometimes I uh, 